Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello everyone, uh, my name is Scott Carney and welcome to a new series here on Club at 22 called Club Interview. This series will be guests from any area re- really to do with Rangers. We'll learn about them as a person, learn about them as a professional and get their thoughts on all things Glasgow Rangers. I'm delighted to introduce the first guest of this series as writer and author, Jeff Holmes. Jeff, welcome to Club at 22 and thank you very much for coming on. My pleasure, Scott. Absolutely my pleasure. So, Jeff, for people listening uh, and our listeners uh, kind of listening in and maybe have not heard of of you uh, as such, can I give us kind of a brief bit about yourself and your kind of career so far? Uh, always, always interested in writing. Uh, didn't really kind of fell away from it after school and was in STV for... 25 years as a stagehand and a prop man and all these things. Uh, and and I think it was while I was at STV, I got chatting to somebody, one of my colleagues, whose daughter worked at The Sun, and sometimes it's who you know. And I started doing Speedway for The Sun uh, just to, to pick the writing back up again and really enjoyed that and kind of went all over Britain watching Glasgow Tigers and my son was involved in it as well. But, you know, been a Rangers fan since I was 10, 10 years old, so it was always football I was wanting to really get into. Uh, and then I, I seen a wee gap in the sun to cover matches, and I started covering matches, third division matches for them, uh, junior stuff as well for the evening times, uh, and then started doing you know the higher up higher up leagues and some premiership stuff for the sun, and then uh, I'd, then, I'd moved down to River City for six or seven years, working after, S- after I left STV, I decided to leave there. I was going to try and get into the newspapers full time, put in for a job in one of the regional papers, didn't get it. But basically because I had no experience ever working in a newspaper before. But I just always loved writing. And then I got a job at the Paisley Express 
uh, I was there for about seven or eight years, thoroughly enjoyed it. Meanwhile, we get, we get kind of taken over by a daily record and they shut the offices in Paisley and we all moved to the daily record. So I then started covering games for the daily record in the Sunday Mail and then doing you know, a lot of sports stuff for them and, and stuff. So it was, it was a good grounding and uh, all, all kind of all roads kind of led to what I'm doing now is, is writing books, which I, which I really love, Scott. It's started off just kind of self-published one, uh, a local local book now. So I'm also involved at Maryhill Juniors. So I did a wee book about Maryhill Juniors. Uh, but then I think the first one I did in Rangers was was Jock Wallace, which is Jock Wallace book, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And after that, it was just never, no, no turning back. You know, it was just a case of what's next. And it's always been a case of, you thoroughly enjoy the one you're writing and research was the best part of it for me and then all of a sudden it's what's next you know and there's always yeah. a, there's always a next with a club our size <laughs> always a next it's a it's a it's a vast history to, to get to get stuck into um as i say i i, I once i'd I got a copy of your book, Just Champion, which we're about to come on to. I looked back and um, I, I noticed that the books that you had wrote, and I was like, I've heard of that book, I've heard of that book. As I say, I'm not really a bookworm. I'm not going to pretend that I am. I don't really uh, read wow. books very very much, but i seen that you obviously you did Jock Wallace, you did uh, Mark Walters, you done Marco Negri as well. So there's there's some catalogue there, and obviously writing about Rangers kind of, it's a bug for you now, really. Absolutely. Aye, the, the the Jock Wallace the Jock Wallace one was was really interesting because it was kinda of personal to me because when I worked on S T V and I was a, a young lad I used to collect autographs and I remember the when the security men used to always tell me who was coming in and the all, all sorts on those days in the seventies and eighties, there was all sorts of Hollywood stars coming in to S T V all the time. because uh, the, the the big big station then they were attracting a lot of top names. They one day he told me that Rangers were coming in the next day, and I think it was r- roughly about 1978. Uh, he said Rangers were coming in the next day, and I, and I missed them. I absolutely, I got oh. I got there, and he said to me, I got there on my autograph book after my gaffer had kept me. Gaffer was a Celtic fan, had kept me back doing something else. <laughs> and uh, I got there, and he says, "Oh, they're on the conference room." And I was I was 17. He says, "Go on in and get their autographs," and I was far too far too shy and embarrassed, you know, to do it. I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> yeah. They were in to watch a European game. They, they did that quite often. Rangers and Celtic would do that. They would hire the conference the conference room out and they would put, get a video sent over for whatever and watch future European opponents. So just at that point, the, 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 this taxi comes up to the front door at STV, screeches to a halt, and Jock Wallace runs out. And I'm like, oh, there's Jock Wallace, <laughs> manager. And I get this, get this, get this really quick dilemma and I've got a quick decision to make because he's, he's about 20 yards away, he's running running at speed he actually, does a 17 year old boy stop Jock Wallace in his tracks <laughs> and ask him for his autograph or does he just stand out of the way and let him breeze past <laughs> I, don't I, get, I don't know where I get the, the, the confidence from but I thought, I said, excuse me Mr Wallace, can I have your autograph and he stopped, you know, it was a cartoon putting the brakes on and he screeched to a halt and he went, <laughs> of course son of course and he stopped inside the autograph and then he says to me, did you get the rest of the players? I went, I'm late, I'm never late. And he was going on and on. And I said, sadly, I missed him. I said, I was working. He went, well, come on and we'll go in. He took me into the conference room. Oh, amazing. And I know 17, sometimes quite, quite, he's quite old nowadays. But then I'd, I was from Maryhill and I'd barely ever been out of Maryhill when I started working on TV. So I was quite, I wasn't very worldly and experienced. So he took me in and the players were Bobby Russell and David Cooper and, uh, Colin Jackson, just Alec McDo- all these guys that I'd grown up watching. Well, I'd been watching them since 1970. And uh, and he just said, right, okay. He says, sorry, I'm late, lads. He says, but before we start watching this video of our opponents, 
Sign, sign this. What's your name, sir? I says, Jeff. Sign Jeff's autograph book. Are you getting, are you getting fined? <laughs> Everybody's autograph. And it was just, honestly, for a, for a kid, for a teenager, it was just, it was just fantastic because these were my, these were my heroes, John Gregg, all these guys. So I remember, I remember that when I, when I was doing, when I was researching the Jock Wallace books, I, started, I met, I made the, I made the introduction to the book that wee story just to, just to, just to give my association with it. With it. And then one of the uh, Jock's son, John, got in touch with me uh, just about a month before it was before I was due to go to due to go to the publisher, and uh, he said, "Here, you're writing about a book about my dad." And I was like, oh, "Aye, that's right." Aye. Uh, have you any photographs? I says, "No." He says, "Well, I can send you some family photographs," and, and he sent me all these photographs of his dad and the army and oh, stuff. Amazing, fantastic. And then we became I became lifelong uh, friends with the family. And young John, the the, the grandson, he comes he comes over. They're in Spain, but young John's studying in Southampton at the moment. But they come over when they can for games and stuff. You know, they're massive Rangers fans, and and young John's been to games and. And John Gilligan's offered to get him tickets in the direct seats in the director's box, and he's like, "No, I want to go in with the Union Bears and stuff." So they've, you know, they've got it, they've got it in their heart, and it's been passed down in generations. So, so that was a particularly uh, poignant book for me because because of the subject, and obviously, yeah. Rangers. And and another thing, I was I was working in the Paisley Express at the time. Uh, this isn't going out, is it? Holy cow! I was working in the Paisley <laughs> Express at the time. We were based, in, we, were based we were based in the Daily Record. And I got a phone call from a mate of mine, Bobby Roddy, and he says to me, "Get yourself." I was I was researching the Jock Wallace book at the time. In fact, I was nearly nearly I was writing the book. I was just just about finished writing it. He says, "Get yourself to the the Hilton Hotel." Uh, Where are you now? And I says, "I'm in the Daily Record." He says, "Well, you're not far. Get yourself." To... I says, "I can't just get up off my desk." And so I feigned the worst toothache you've ever seen in my life, and I was like, a <laughs> terrible actor. And the editor says to me. What's wrong? And I said, oh, toothaches just come on. It's really, really bad. <laughs> I still don't know why if they go to the Hilton Hotel. But he says, oh, he says, you better, where's your, where's your dentist? And I says, uh, Paisley. And he says, right, well, you better go. I says, right, okay. I says, oh, and I'm making all these mad noises. So I, I walks over to the Hilton Hotel and Bobby says, right, come on, you come, come up, up the, the second, third floor. And it was every one of the Barcelona Bears signing, oh, wow. signing memorabilia. And Bobby had organised... Bobby had organised uh, for me to interview them all. And I think, I'd, obviously, they played a big part in Jock's time at Rangers. And I'd, 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 interviewed, I'd interviewed Willie Johnston and Colin Jackson beforehand, but the rest of them were there, Sandy Jarvin, John Gregg, Alfie Conn, all these guys. So, and uh, Colin Jackson's wife, Pam, she was fantastic. She brought, who do you want now, Jeff? And she would, I said, oh, give me Alan McDonald, give me Tommy McLean. And she would bring them all out one by one and they would sit and get interviewed and then, and then there was only one guy I had in the interview. Sandy Jarvin was great as well. I mean, he was he was he was Sandy was struggling at the time, but he was still he was he was a, such a gentleman. And uh, so it was only one person I had in the interview, and that was John Gregg. You know, and, and John Gregg, John Gregg, he can he's he's John Gregg, right? So yes, he, yeah, so <laughs> very says, much so. Bobby says, uh, "Aye." So Bobby says, "Pam, where's Greggy?" And he says, and she says, "He's in there somewhere," but. He says, Jeff's just waiting to speak to him and that's it. And Pam says, I think he knows that. <laughs> so Bobby had made a point of phoning Greggy the night before and saying, will you be okay with this, John? Because just to give him his places, you know, is, is a, the greatest ever Ranger. So next minute, I'm talking to Pam and Bobby and John Gregg sneaks out. <laughs> and Bobby shouts, John, John, where are you going? He went, I'm getting him. And he went, he said you would speak to Jeff about Jock Wallace. 
I can't even remember anything about Jock Walls. That was so <laughs> long ago. So I thought, here we go. I'm not going to, this is the one interview I really wanted. So mm-hmm. he says, ah, and he stopped in his tracks. And he, he says, I'd get my wee, my wee dictaphone ready. And he says, ah, I'm no speed. I said, I don't remember it. So he kind of was walking over. His, or we were walking towards him as he had stopped. And he was speaking. And I says to him, I says, that's fine, John. I says, I respect your, I respect your wishes. Not a problem. And Bobby's saying, but John, I says, Bobby, it's fine, honestly. And having been a, hadn't been a journalist for years, you know, there was, there's ways to get around these things. And I, <laughs> I kind of discreetly put my dictaphone on and I says to him, can you just answer me one question? And he says, I what is it? I says, it was reported in the press that when we, when we won the Scottish Cup in 78, I think it was, I says, and it completed the treble. I says, you walk back in the dressing room and threw the cup at Jock Wallace and says, there you go, that's what you wanted. <laughs> and he laughed and he went, aye. And him being a goalkeeper, he dropped it. And he, <laughs> so then I says to him, so so you must have had a good relationship with, with Jock then, you know, to be able to do something with like that. He went, aye, oh, I had a great relationship with him and he brought us a lot of success. And before he knew it, I'd interviewed him for 10 minutes, which was absolutely fine for me. I got exactly what I wanted. Then he turns around and says, hey, Honestly, he says, there's no point in this interview, man, because I can't remember it. And I says, that's fine, John. I says, that's fine. <laughs> I says, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't mind. You wouldn't mind if I just used some of the stuff where we chat. He went, oh, if it's helpful, that's great. He oh, says, brilliant. And, and Bobby says, and I gave Bobby the wink, and Bobby says, that's great, John. Thanks very much. And he says, Bobby, I'm sorry I let you down. And he went, no, it's fine. Honestly, it's fine. And I'm way happy with all these, you know, with nine or ten interviews for these absolute icons of my... My, my upbringing, so... You literally, literally... I also tracked let, down a lot of other stuff, Scott. Sorry, Scott, I tracked yeah. down a lot of other people. Like, my daughter was working in a, a sports centre in Airdrie, and there was a guy that had played under Jock Wallace at Leicester, and she knew him well, but didn't know this, and she said, oh, my dad's writing a book about Jock Wallace, and he says, well, I played under Jock Wallace at Leicester. Seriously. So, it was great to interview guys like that that had never been interviewed before for the book, and I interviewed about 20, 30 people for it, you know, from all over the... The whole sort of jocks, Berwick time at Berwick. He's even got somebody for his time at Hereford, you know. So it was, oh, amazing. It was great. You literally, you're, the story that you're telling there is literally like every fan's dream. It really is. It's like every fan's dream, and especially oh. one bit kind of res, one bit resonated with me is when when you said that you'd seen Jock Wallace. I very unexpectedly. I didn't meet Walter Smith, but Walter Smith is that kind of guy to me uh, at my age. And I literally, where I was working, I walked around the corner, still smoking at the time. I'd walked around the corner. It was a really sunny day. There was this guy walking towards me. He had a big brown trench coat on with a briefcase. And then there was a guy next to him with a, a, a laptop in his hand. And he's frantically typing away. And I was like, that's not something you see every, see every day in the centre of Glasgow. I was like, I don't know what's going on here. It was really sunny. And he got about five foot away from me. And he just lifted his head. And it was Walter Smith. And he just went, all right, son. And I couldn't speak. I literally, I didn't even know what to say. And I let him walk away. And then I got back, got back, in, got back inside and told the boys. And walk. I was like, I've, 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 I was like oh, I've not just met Walter Smith. I've, he said all right to me and he walked away and I was just so starstruck do you know what I mean I was just like because he's like an icon to me so yeah I know exactly what you were what you were going through in, in terms of when you seen Jock uh, but it's an incredible story especially getting in to meet all the Barca Bears and getting an interview all then that's that's absolutely tremendous so Jeff, we'll move on to uh, the reason that I actually reached out for you to come on the podcast and it was uh, Jamie, one of the other lads on the podcast, very kindly got a copy, 
copy of the book Just Champion uh, in June. So as a, like a good chat show host, mate, I'm going to hold up a copy of it so people can see it uh, for people watching this on YouTube. Uh, it's a really great book. Uh, some of the stories are very interesting. Uh, before we get into it and give away too many spoilers, what was the main thought behind the book, Jeff? And why did you choose to have a number of stories as the format of the book, as well as linking kind of each game, uh, each story to a game? Kind of, it kind of evolved over a period of time. Obviously, I was always going to do something when we won the when we when we got the fifty fifth title, but <clears throat> I wanted to do something with, with Connor Goldson. Uh, Connor's Connor's a pal of my publisher. He's uh, my publisher is a guy called Paul Cameron, who is the head of marketing, the head of communications down at Brighton Football Club. So he knew Connor when he when he played there. And I remember when Connor came to Rangers, he texted me. You know, a few few days before everybody else knew, and he said, told me he was coming. Told me he's a really good player, and he's only been kept out because of the former the guy Dunk and somebody called Duffy. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> and and I said, right, okay, I've heard the I've heard of the guy Dunk. So, so he said to me, he said, how do you fancy doing something with Connor for the league? I said, I, but obviously, unless unless we didn't want it out till Christmas, we would have to start early. So he said, how about doing a diary of the season, you know, with Conor Golson, because it looks like Conor's going to go through. This is sort of mid-January, he says, bar an injury, it looks like Conor's going to go through and play every game, hopefully. So I said, aye, okay. So we, we approached, we approached, he, he texted Conor, and Conor said he was fine, mate, love to do it. Uh, he says, but I'll need to get it cleared by Ross Wilson, who kind of runs the Rangers world. And Ross said no. And, I, and I, to be honest, I wasn't massively surprised because if you get some outsider coming to you and saying, let's write about winning the league and it's only mid-January, you know, end of January, I can understand why nobody would want to tempt fate. You know, when you've got a manager yeah. that's preaching one game at a time, mantra, they're not just suddenly winning. But, you know, we'd all have been kept hush-hush and I think even then we all knew we were, even though we were all really nervous, we knew we were going to win the league. But anyway, they didn't want to do it and that was fine and I completely understood. So I said to the publisher, look, I should really just start getting on with it and getting things done because if I don't get it done, we're not going to get it out for we're not going to get it out for a few months after the season and want to get it out as soon as possible after the season's finished. So he said to me, Well, why don't you pick twenty five games, twenty five key games? And some of them won't have happened yet, but meanwhile you could be you could be you could be going and getting on with the other games. He says and write about twenty five key games. <clears throat> and I said, No, that would blow the pants off me. Just talking about games that we've already all seen and spoke about, and mm-hmm. you know, and podcasting on Twitter and all these all these meetings. Is that like, it didn't didn't excite me at all? And it, and then I thought, you know, this book should be more a celebration of what we've achieved rather than the way we've achieved it. Aye, it's important the way we've achieved it, and obviously to get through the whole season, whole league season unbeaten was phenomenal, and beyond our wildest dreams. But I thought. So what, what we should do is we should so I spoke to the publisher and we both kinda of come up with this idea that maybe we should ask a couple of ex players uh, and ex coaches and stuff and I thought nah, I'm still I'm still not really too interested to be honest because I, I don't want to just write a dry account of games. It just it just bore me. So we decided that we would we would speak to a whole range of people, you know, and people like people like my grandson who's sixteen, who's season ticket holder. But who's never seen Rangers win the top title because of his age? He he kind of speaks for a whole generation of kids that had never seen us win it, but who'd been there for four, five, six, seven years. 
Uh, and then I just started we started thinking, let's speak to a whole let's speak to as an eclectic mix of people as possible and uh, even spoke to the you know the, the ambassador who was noted for playing the piano, playing Rangers tunes on the piano, the ambassador to yeah. Portugal who was brilliant. So we just we ended up getting some players and I got some I got some players and I got some ex managers and uh, and and Sati that owns the owns the, the restaurant and stuff like that and Jock Wallace's grandson and just, just a lot of different people. Chris who did the tours at Ibrox. Uh, and then I spoke to John Gilligan because John had been kind enough to do a foreword for me in a book I wrote about the 1992-93 season, I think it was. And he did the foreword for that, which was which was great. And John's a massive, massive Rangers fan, as everybody knows. But I wanted to speak to John a bit more in-depth and just get you know his feelings and how did he become a Ranger because we've all got a story. I mean, my dad was a Patrick Thistle fan. I was born in Mary Hill. My whole family are Patrick Thistle, but I'm I'm the only, only Rangers fan. So it's not really been handed down to me, and that's something I would I wish it had been handed down through generations because it's a great thing to, to walk in the footsteps of your your, your, your ancestors. I but uh, John Gilligan was, was fantastic. But then when I spoke to John, and John said it was up, I had to speak about the 2015 EGM. Uh, and John said that you know, it was a great victory for everybody involved, but it was obviously him and Paul Murray and Dave King that fronted it. And John says to me, you know, he says, if we hadn't won that EGM, he says, Mike Ashley was standing there with a loan. I think it's £5 million loan. And he was going to take Ibrox and Murray Park and, and these things. And just, it just, it's beyond... It doesn't, bear th- it doesn't bear thinking about that. It really doesn't bear thinking no. about something like that happening. Uh, I, I'm yeah. sorry for jumping in there, cause I'll, I'll stop you there because... The, the 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 three bears the part of the book that I, I was reading it's amazing how much you, you can you don't take it for granted as such but it was like okay that happened and we moved on quite quickly and we started to rebuild the club through the words that Dave King uh, Paul Murray John Gilligan said you could feel that the tension in them that they had the day before that AGM and what they were trying to go through and what what would have happened with our club if this wasn't successful? It really doesn't bear thinking about. But they three ones for me when I when I read the, the three part their th- three stories within in the book, I get quite emotional because um, the, the thought of not having Rangers in my life you can't you can't I can't move on I can't be a, another supporter of another team it's never going to happen. So I really did find it so interesting with the fact that they'd met the night before they went to Sings to have something to eat and that. Dave, uh, Dave King sitting with spreadsheets and all, all this kind of thing to make sure everyone's going to go his way doing all his homework. I found that really fascinating. So when I when I spoke to when I spoke to Sati Singh for the book, because Sati's a, a lifelong Rangers fan as well, uh, and when I spoke to Sati and he said to me, "Oh, I, I was in I was in his restaurant and we we're talking away," and he says to me, "Oh, they had that just over there behind that curtain. That's where the meeting was that night." And I thought, "That's fantastic." I said, "We're sitting. We're actually sitting here." I think the Founders Trail and Years to Come will include things like that in their in their tours because it's so it's actually such a it's a moment frozen in Rangers time. Uh, and it was after and, and Sati says to me, Have you spoke to Paul Murray? And I'd never met Paul Murray and I, I think I'd met him at Matt Walter's book lunch and that was about it briefly. And I said, No, he says, Well I'll put you on to Paul, he says if you want to speak to Paul and I said, Well that'd be great. And then once I get Paul Paul, as you you're talking about emotion there, Scott. Paul was really in this stuff to me, and I was hairs in the back of my neck were standing up, and I thought, God, it's just, it's just frightening to think, you know, the day after the takeover, we went to Cowden Beat and drew nil nil, their hearts had beaten 10 10 nil two weeks before mm-hmm. it, and you think that's where we were at the time, but it could have got a lot worse, 
You know, it could have got a lot worse. Mm-hmm. And after I spoke to John and, and Paul Murray, I thought I really need to speak to Dave King. Uh, and Saki again was good enough to put me in touch and, and Dave King got right back to me and we, we, we did, a wee, did a wee piece with Dave. Uh, and, and when I was doing the Zoom call with Paul Murray, he was in Portugal. And you could just feel it coming through. You could just feel his passion for club. I didn't know an awful lot about Paul before before I spoke to him. Just what, just what everybody else knew. But he's just, he's, he's, he's just love for Rangers. It's just full-consuming. It's just there, you know. And it's and I, I know we sometimes speak about businessmen and they're in football clubs for business reasons. But you, you just know these guys are they're there for the love of Rangers. And, you know, and yeah. there, but for the grace of God, if they hadn't been there, you know, and would that have been somebody else? I don't know. Would have been somebody else digging bold enough to take on Ashley with his claws into the club at the time, you know, and, and the other guys. Mm-hmm. So it really was. I decided, and then the, the book then evolved again, and I thought, because Dave King says, without without the, the, the 2015 EGM victory, there would have been no title this season. And it's, you know, it's, I know it's six years, but listen, I, I, I completely agree with him on that matter mm-hmm. because. If, 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 they, if they lose the EGM and Mike Ashley's waiting in the wings to come in, you know, where, where does the club go for their Scott? You know, I, I, I don't know. But thankfully, it went the other I, way, the right way. Yeah, well, I, Ibrox, I think, would be called the Sports Direct Arena or something ridiculous like that. It, it, just, it, it would be unrecognisable to, to what we are and it would have took away the, the absolute soul of a club. And we, I really, say, I mean, I've never had the pleasure of meeting Dave King, Paul Murray or John Gillingham for that matter to thank them. Uh, but, I mean, they know how much this meant to all of us. And it really comes through, uh, through it when you're reading their stories, just what it meant to them as well as fans. And even about Paul Murray's, I think it was in Paul Murray's party, was like nobody knew how bad this was and when they first sat down and they started going through everything the club was in a dire dire way uh, and it was worse than they had first kind of thought it was going to be as well and then the story of them walking out outside Argyle House and all the fans being there as well I was honestly nearly in absolute tears uh, just reading it because it meant it just means everything to them and it meant everything to us in terms of um, the way you did each story, did you meet everybody um, kind of individually? Did you did you go? Did you do calls with every single person that wrote a story, or um, was it kind of sent to them to do and then send back to send back to or yourself to adapt to put in the book? No, it was all either. It was all either face to face. Very difficult to meet face to face at the time I was yes, doing the book. Yeah, it was all. I met a couple of people face to face. It was all either phone calls or Zoom conferences. Uh, no, the only the only guy. The only guy that was Marco in Italy. Uh, and he, I, I, you can't I tell him, by the way it's wrote or that. You can't tell by the way oh, it's wrote or that. <laughs> it's yeah, I got in touch with the messenger. He's invite, after I did his book, he invited my wife and I over to Bologna for a week. And we had a great time. He was, he was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. At the hotel at the crack of dawn. I wanted us to stay with him, but I said, no, we want to stay in the hotel. At the hotel at the crack of dawn, he picked me up and take me all these places, me and my wife. He's fantastic. He's great. Uh, so I've got a great relationship with him and when I, and such a lovely guy. And when I, I said to him, Mark, we're going to contribute to the book, he went, surely, what did you want me to do? And I said, well, I'm, I said, ideally, I'd like to speak to you and we'll talk about this and talk about that. I says, but here's what I want. If you want to write, because I know he's really quite keen in writing himself. So I just let him, he was the only one that wrote his own, wrote his own piece. Uh, but as for the rest, no, everybody was, everybody was interviewed at one point. Yeah, and, and sometimes one interview falls on. I know a lot of these guys from all my time doing books anyway and, and stuff, uh, but sometimes the interview just follows on. There was a couple of people, 
one or two people said no, but that's always going to be the case. But it just maybe wasn't the right time for them or whatever. But still, they they, they did well, you know. And they got, we got a good. I think we got a good mix of people. Yeah, as you say, it was from what ex-players, ex-board members, and fans as well. And as you say, some of the fans you'd mentioned there as well. It was the first, the first time seeing a league title, which still baffles me that that can be the case. Because I'm like, I don't believe I'm at the age yet where you shouldn't have seen nine in a row and, and stuff like that. I remember I, I worked with a boy uh, in a job and. And we were talking about Rangers and he's got a season ticket, I had a season ticket, I was brilliant and we started talking uh, which one day, I was like, who's the greatest player you've ever seen? And I can't remember who he mentioned when I was like, well, you've, you're not, not allowed up. I was like, not Gascoigne. I grew up during nine in a row, do you know what I mean? So I've I, I seen all these players and uh, he's like, i never seen loud up a Gascoigne play for Rangers and I, I'm, I couldn't get my head around it. I'm going, what do you mean you've never seen loud up in Gascoigne? Everybody's seen that, what are you talking about? So yes, to hear what it means to people that have just witnessed this for the first time and imagine as a fan that this is the first title you see this is arguably the most significant title that Rangers have ever won and uh, I mean well, uh, there's a wee bit, of, wee bit of jealousy coming out of me really at that point so I'm going oh, I've seen it I've seen so much I've been through so much and uh, for them to get their first day. It was, uh, honestly, it was just absolutely brilliant to read all the different stories. I can't recommend, and I'm not just saying it because Jeff is on, I can't recommend go getting yourself a copy of it because it will bring a tear to, to a glass eye, that's for sure. Um, one of those ex-players, uh, one of those ex-players you, you did uh, get in the book was, uh, the now late, obviously, uh, Ali Dawson, which who sadly passed away just last week. Um, you had the pleasure of meeting him and working with him. What, what was he like as a man? Absolute gentleman. I remember I used to I used to run the, the Sandbank Rangers Supporters Club from Mary Hill, and we used to get it, it, that was the days we used to go over to the Ibrox and wait for the players coming back from training at the Albion and ask them if they'd come to your player of the year dance to present the trophies. Uh, and from that we and they were great. And from that we progressed on to writing to the club and then the player writing back to you and saying, "I ah, can come or he can't come." But Ali Dawson was up at one of them, and I was an STV, so I used to I was Pallavage, really Pallavage and White, so. Some would get people for me to come up to their dances and stuff. And Ali, I remember Ali, Derek Johnson was a regular to see the pal up at the, the club in the 70s and 80s. And Ali Dawson came up a couple of times and I met him and he was just an absolute gentleman. And then the next time I met him was on Glenn Michaels' Cartoon Cavalcade Cup Final Special, Rangers League in Reunited. <laughs> I think it was 1980. Somebody, in fact, somebody produced a photograph of myself and one of my colleagues and Ali Dawson and Paul Hegarty. Uh, I think you'll not remember Cartoon Carol Kids. No, I don't. No, I don't. It rings a bell, but I don't remember it. Have you heard of Glenn Michael? No. No. You need need to Google Glenn Michael. I know, I need to Google. I'm I'm 33, so I'll probably just miss light on it. It was probably probably the most popular kids show on STV at one point. Bear in mind, I started on STV in January 1977 when I was 16. Uh, and it was on, it had been going for a few years, and Glenn Michael, who was a big personality, kind of, a kind of actor that maybe perhaps no way too unkind, but going to make it as an actor, so he became a presenter, and he became a very popular presenter, and took his road show out to places, and, and every year, it, would, it was a weekly programme with Casper the Friendly Ghost and all that stuff, so every year they would do a, a cup final special, and Ali was in for that, and again, absolute gentleman. Then I was doing a book, I was doing a book, 19... I did two books. One was called 1986 Rangers Revolution. One was called The Season to the Cheerful, 92-93. So but the first one, Ali, would have been an 86 one. You see, he was in the kind of crossover between Soonest. And just such a such a philosophical guy, you would say. 
you know, I tried my best to, to get a deal under Graham Soonest, but Graham obviously wanted to go a different way. And we parted company amicably. And I said, well, you know what? I've had 12 great years at Rangers, captain for three or four of them, lifted cups for Rangers. And it was just an absolute joy and pleasure to sit down with him and chat to him. And then when the book came out, I would take a copy of the book up to his work. He was working with kids, kids on the street and, and helping them out. And, and we'd just sit and chat. And then I, so I phoned him. I wanted to speak to him about this book. So I phoned him up. Uh, and we, we had a, we had a, we had a wee chat. And he said to me, this was, I think this was February, January, February. And he says to me, and it just right away, no problem. Who'd you want to talk about, Jeff? Why talk about Rangers win the league? Right. Only problem is we've not won it yet. I says, I know. But we've got a kid on with one at Ali because it's <laughs> got to come out in June the first. And he went, right, okay. So no problem. Well, everybody was everybody was no problem. There was only one person who wanted me to go back and speak to him after we'd won it. Uh, I would have over twenty five points in front. But Ali Ali was great and then interviewed him, did the whole interview. In fact, we're on the phone about an hour and then he said to me after it, he says, Ah, he says I'm I'm no well, Jeff. He says I'm I'm no well. He he says uh, I'm, I'm just kind of keeping it to myself, keeping it quiet. I'm not putting anything on social media. He says, you know, my wife and my daughters are looking after me and uh, I'm hoping that such and such will, you know, help me. And he went, but if it doesn't, it doesn't. He went, and it was just, honestly, it was just, it just, it makes me very emotional. But he was just such, such a lovely, lovely guy. Uh, yeah, quite, I mean, and we, yeah. And then when the book came out, I phoned him. I heard he was, you know, downhill a bit. I phoned them because I wanted to get a book through to him, to his house and give it. I had to leave a message on the phone and, yeah, obviously, he never got back to me because he was, he was quite unwell at the time, but, uh, oh, no, I would, you know, just, just, just one guy that I, I don't think anybody could have a bad word to say about Ali Dawson. You know, one guy that he told, he'd tell you himself he was fortunate enough to play for Rangers. He was a good player. He was a really steady player. He played a number of positions at the back. Scored a few goals for the Rangers. Told you, he he said the first one he scored was a well, it looked like a cross, but it ended up in the back of the net. And he he said he meant it. Several people say he didn't, but <laughs> uh, when in the back of the net, he scored for the Rangers. He lifted cups for the Rangers. He played hundreds of games for the Rangers. He was there for twelve years. An absolute legend, honestly, an absolute legend. And I know this one's a legend and that one's a legend, but legend. The word legend should be. Should be kept by for guys like Ali Dawson. Just such a lovely, lovely man. Very well said, Jeff. I, I couldn't have put. I definitely couldn't have said it any better than that, mate. That's that's absolutely tremendous. And we've, we've said it before, but obviously we we all pass on our condolences to his family and friends. So There's obviously not a really easy way to move on for something like that. I just thought it was important, mate, because I know you had a relationship with him that we yeah. we did speak about him. Uh, so this is going to be quite a difficult one, and it's probably quite an unfair question. I'm just about to ask you to be honest, Jeff. What is your favourite story in the book? Can I see my grandsons, can I? No. Yeah, we can if you want. There's quite a few. Do you know one of the guys one of the guys are really I'm one of these people that always likes learning about about Rangers, which is why I'm now developed a real interest for the for the history and way back. And one of the stories was by a chap called Chris Mayhead, who's a tour guide at Rangers. And I always remember Chris was hardly even knew Chris. And I rocked up one day with the two of my wife's uh, Relations from Australia. We had me booked a tour and I went in. It was a Sunday and Chris was doing the tour and he, he saw me at the front door and we kind of knew each other a wee bit and he came over and he shook my hand and 
he says, I called him to break him up. I said, well, I've just pumped up the off chance. I, I don't expect anything. Never expect anything. Like, I said, but and I called him. It was my wife's cousin and a partner from Australia. And he went, get them in. You know, and they just went in. And he was, and he, and he made a fuss of them. And it was just, it was just fantastic. And I knew Chris was, I knew Chris had grown up around the corner from Ibrox. And I knew that his dream was always to work for Rangers. And, and it wasn't just, you hear a, you hear a, that's, that's saying, the, the blazer chasers, but Chris was just probably the proudest guy ever. When he pulled on that blazer to do the tour, and his tours were exceptional because he cares about the club and because he loves the club with all his heart. And, and I've had a lot of people come up to me and say, you know, I love Chris's, Chris's stories about the good panel and the Rangers and stuff. It's just, it's just, it's just such a, such a keen Rangers man like, like most of us, but he's managed to get in there and, you know, do his bit and he's brought, He's brought a lot of pleasure to so many people. You know, we talk about the pleasure that guys like Gascoigne and Loudrop and Alan Acoisnes bring to people, David Cooper, but Chris in his own way does the same thing. And he's just, I've been, one of my things is going towards the football grounds. Uh, I even went through the hijack splits in Croatia, but he was clearly the guy he was talking about. But uh, that, was a, that was a great thing. So I've been in a few tours in down south where I, I thought, you know, that was. That was okay. I did Anfield a few couple of weeks ago. Quite enjoyed it. Man United, I thought was good as well. Arsenal used to do it. Chris's tours at the Rangers were just, God, they're from the heart. You know, and you know, this guy's a Rangers man. He's no in here doing this for a wage. He's in here to do it because he's, because he's a Rangers man. So I enjoyed that story, and a lot of people seem to enjoy that one as well. I really enjoyed yeah. Saki Sings because Saki, <coughs> he just makes me laugh every time I speak to him. And, <laughs> Stories about calling his boys after all like his nets up and <coughs> excuse me, Mark Walters is just just phenomenal, you know. And but I, I thought I thought everybody everybody that interviewed brought something. And John Gilligan's as well saying to me that they had been saving up to get engaged, and then Rangers qualified for the European Cup Winners Cup final, <laughs> and he said, "Sorry, darling, something something's got to give." <laughs> I, I wouldn't have it anyway, to be honest. No, no, said, I know. I said, I said, did you part company then? He went, no, we're still, well, well I bet I'm a tell him how, how that ends, that story. But <laughs> exactly. That was, that was a good one as well. But I enjoyed speaking, I, I, think... I enjoyed speaking to everybody. Alec McLeish was another gentleman, you know, just an absolute yeah. gentleman. He uh, spoke with, you could feel his voice cracking when he was speaking to the helicopter Sunday. Obviously meant so much to him and obviously still means so much to him. You know, people will yeah. say he was, we played for Aberdeen for years, and well, my wife absolutely hated him. And I hated him myself. Uh, but obviously, I'm a Rangers man. You know, brought up a Rangers man, and still a Rangers man, a wee bit of red in the middle. Yes, I think he's. Uh, you, you can you can feel it with Big Eck when he's talking about it, and oh, I mean that's a a, a a massive big star in his CV helicopter Sunday. So, where can people get the the, the book, Jeff? Obviously, I'll leave all the details in the link below. But just in case people don't want to look, where can they get your your stuff? People can, people can, they can still, they can get it from all the usual places like W. H. Smith and Waterstones and Amazon and that. But they can get it from me direct, and they get if they, they get a wee bookmark from me as well. Which, hang on a second. Oh, I don't have one of the official bookmarks, but <laughs> they will get one. I've got, I've got. Yeah, you will get I've one. Got about, I think I've got about ten, eleven left. So. If people want to get in touch with me by email, it's jeff.homes4 at btinternet.com or through Twitter at jeffh1960. 
Yeah, definitely. As I say, I'll leave all the details as well in the description uh, for this show. So before we move on and talk about uh, Rangers now and the upcoming season and whatever else have you, what's next for you? Um, what what you're working on just now? What's coming? Well, for about the last year and a half, on and off, I've been I've been researching Rangers' great team of eighteen ninety eight, eighteen ninety eight, eighteen ninety nine. The, the season, the league season. That year should have been just 1898, but because a couple of games were drawn, uh, it's sort of stilled over in 1899. Because the makeup of the season then was the Scottish League, uh, Scottish League fixtures in the second half of 1898, and then the Scottish Cup in the Glasgow League in 1899. But uh, as I say, there was a wee bit of a, a spillover. But that's a that's a phenomenal year from my my point of view. It's only you know it's only sort of what is it 27 years after they were formed and. In March nine, March eighteen seventy two, and it's 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 a great era, and and I like getting to. We've all heard of a lot of people have heard of like Nick Smith and, and Alex Smith, two of the two of the greatest Rangers ever. One's a right back, one's a right an outside left, and Darvel, no relation, uh, and Jock Drummond and Matt Dickey, the goalie, and John McPherson. And they could be through RC Hamilton. Don't know where they got these initials, but we could go through. We could be through them forever. But it was, I wanted to get to know the people. I wanted to get to know the people about where they were born, how they were brought up, and where they lived, and what kind of money were they getting in those days, what kind of kudos were they getting, what was a Rangers player getting. I wanted to try and answer all these questions, and it's been quite difficult, but it's been it's been it's been really good fun. Uh, and, I, and I feel I as if I've had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of articles and match reports. I feel as if they played they played a completely different style in those days, Scott. I mean. Not just formation, but just a completely different style. But but Rangers Rangers had they had they, they won the league. That's the year they won the league and won every league match, uh, which is still the only club only club in Britain ever to achieve it. And the thing is, the season before itself, it became the first club to go through the season unbeaten. So what the Rangers do the next season? They just win every every league match, don't they? So, so they got to the <laughs> cup final and they won the they won the league by winning every game. That and then they went on and won the league for four years in a row, which Celtic hasn't done. For, so it's a bit, yeah. uh, I think it's a fascinating. It's a fascinating time. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I think the it's it's a fascinating time when you go back and you read these articles about oh, the way right. football used to be played, and the game's almost unrecognisable really now compared to what we play now, and uh, the amount of times draws would lead to another four or five games because you would just keep drawing with a team, and it would just go on, seem to go on and on forever. It was uh, an incredible time, so I, I look forward. to to seen that, uh, as I say, you know it, was it fixed. really is. You know, you know, you know, it was fixed. It was what? in those days. I mean, the, in those days, the, there is real evidence to show that Rangers and Celtic were in cahoots and used to draw matches deliberately so they could get replays and only not in the league, only in the cup matches. Because yeah. at that time, Rangers for some Rangers home games they were getting three and four thousand for home matches, but when they played Celtic, they'd be twenty thousand, thirty thousand, forty thousand. You know, and it would be, and it's a lot of money in these days because because of the little mm-hmm. amount of fans that were coming to the normal league game, these games were so important. Uh, and, and and then Rangers obviously became became a, public, a limited liability company that year as well. So they, you know, they, they had to then they became the shared they were answerable to shareholders and stuff. And they also they also built the new Ibrox. So it was quite it was interesting. But they only took a ten year lease out in the new Ibrox. So I don't know what they were thinking it. At, at that point, but it's a it's a fascinating period in the history. But aye, they were they were in it to make money in those days as well. 
that's brilliant isn't it <laughs> it's so good as well I suppose in the parks the pitches that we're playing on are not exactly going to be your, your kind of 5G pitches or whatever you get nowadays it's basically a field with a few lines drawn on it do you know what I mean so uh, yeah I mean a different breed of, of men back then there's absolutely no doubt about it so look forward to that when can we expect it do you know have you got a plan of when you're going to release it I wish I went to the January but I told them no chance be, I need <laughs> compromise in the, the search and the quality but now the next year sometime maybe hopefully well, we'll look forward to it. So we'll move on to Rangers now, mate. Um, the, the charge for 56 has begun. So I've seen from your, um, your your Twitter, you were at the game on Saturday, so was I, I was lucky enough to get a ticket. Uh, we got off to a good 3-0 win uh, over Livy. Um, what did you make of the game? What did you make of uh, the return of the fans, return of seeing Rangers with your own two eyes again? Well, it was great because, I mean, I, I tend to turn up for games win the five minutes to I'm not one of these people that you're in five minutes after kickoff and everybody's got to stand up again. I like to get in before the game, but five, ten minutes before the game. But and then you speak to all your mates outside and stuff and I'm a part of the collectors club and doing swap programmes and stuff. But they were told they had to be in by a certain time and I'll always adhere to these things. So I was in about an hour before kickoff and I actually enjoyed quite enjoyed running quite quick. It was me and my grandson and I ran quite quick and chatting to people around about. But just seeing the crowd building up, it was just different class because it was, I don't know, just, part of me just kind of took it in my stride and thought, all right, here we go. This is, like, I was really always, always looked forward to every game, no matter who we're playing. Uh, but sadly, I don't think my, my expectations, I don't think Rangers lived up to my expectations of what I was hoping. On Saturday, I thought we were having anything. I thought we were quite cool at times. You know, I thought we were. And, and the guy, I was, had a conversation with the guy next to me and he says, oh, it's the first game of the season. And I says, but that's what pre-seasons for, you know, pre-seasons to get yeah. us up and running. We're, you know, we've got a professional backroom team of about 100 and that, that's pre-season supposed to get us up and running. So we hit the ground running for the first league match. So we've got Malmo, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow night, isn't it? The first game in Sweden. Mm-hmm. And we've got that coming up. And so that's how I was a bit, I was a wee bit, I was a wee bit disappointed on Saturday. I know it's no, the first team we're going to be playing regularly. A lot of the guys will be fringe players, but there's only a, to me, to me there's only a couple get pass marks. I know we get two goals late on, which put a gloss in the scoreline, and they were down to ten men when we got the third. But I was, I was, I, I like. I thought Davis. I mean, probably old boy was the oldest guy in the team. Saturday, Davis was good. And I like. I thought Kamara was excellent, and, but, and I thought Kent started really well, and Kent looked in the mood, and then all of a sudden they started getting to take the ball with him and. Missing it and stuff, and I, but I thought he did a good first 15 20 minutes. And I thought Hadji, he spells before he went off as a brutal tackle, wasn't it? Brutal tackle, yeah, on him. but I thought he, he spells as well. But now, I was a bit I, the, the one the one thing that, that disappointed me the most was Fashion Sakala. And I don't know if it's because he's perhaps playing in a different uh, playing in a maybe I, I don't know if that's his position, I don't know much about the guy. But we seem to, we're both, you know, we're, we're, a, we're a team that likes to play wide and get down the flanks. And Bassey and, and Tava putting ball. I don't think that's the kind of player he is. I, it, it doesn't seem to go and attack balls in the box. He's not a Mark Hatley or Derek Johnson. 
I think he maybe needs balls over the top or balls to his feet, and for some reason they weren't doing that. So, so I was really disappointed because the guy didn't. It wasn't his fault, you know. He didn't get much of a chance because it just the game just passed him by. Chased a few things and he looked rapid, but no, I was, I was, I was kind of disappointed overall, Scott. To be honest, great to yeah, be back. I think, in. I think, great to get the win. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that it, what Sakala is, is that, that game doesn't suit him, a, a game like that. I, I think if mm-hmm. Morelos, for example, was... I mean, I'm a wee bit shocked that it didn't start, to be honest. I, I'd said in the pub beforehand to the boys when we were predicting the team before it came out, I thought it would be Cedric Atten that would start over Sakala. And I think when you're playing against a team like Livingston that are going to try and frustrate you as much as they can and not let you get in behind and not let you get down the wings. That's not really Sakala's game. I don't think, as I say, that he does want something to chase onto. He has got pace to absolutely burn. There's no doubt about it. He has he has some speed. But I, I do agree with you to a certain extent about the the first half. I thought we started really well. I think we scored. It got a wee bit we dropped our pace, we dropped our intensity a wee bit. I don't think Rangers were in ever any danger to um, to lose that match. And I suppose, I think all we just have to kind of go on is if we get 3 nils like that for the rest of the season, um, every home match, I will happily take it. <laughs> I will happily take it. That's the only thing you can really say. Uh, but yeah, as I say, I think it was just a wee bit. I think Gerard obviously had his eye on tomorrow night as well, so you didn't see the main players. And in terms of Ryan Kent, mate, I just blame his beard. He needs to get shaved that ridiculous bottom bottom chin beard that he's got. Just get rid of it. Grow a proper one or just get rid of it. <laughs> I'm saying that as a cheek, do you know what I mean? I've got, I've got a stupid beard as well. But anyway, so obviously you mentioned Malmo tomorrow night. What are you expecting? Uh, obviously the, the draw was made earlier on today as well. If Rangers manage to get through, um, I don't like looking too far ahead myself, but it will be Olympiacos or Ludogrets that Rangers plays. But we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that another another time. What are you expecting from Malmo tomorrow night? It's I think with, with the benefit of the, with the hindsight of the last three seasons under Gerard and and knowing how good we play in Europe and knowing that we play we almost play as good away from home as we do at home. Apart from Sporting Braga, but we do we, we, play, we play well away. It's, it, it doesn't seem to matter to this Rangers team and this Rangers management whether the games at home or away, because we'll go and we'll win. We'll win. We'll beat good. We'll beat good teams away, Scott. You know, you know that. Uh, I think Malmo, Malmo will be a very competent side. I think they'll be they'll be, be well organised and they'll be that usual you know that usual well drilled Swedish team and they won't be scared to maybe put the boot in now and again. But uh, I don't see why we can't go and win. I, I know I said quite this morning that, you know, let's get this one out of the way before we're even interested who we're playing the next round because we can look at that after the, after the second leg of our play. Uh, because this is, this, is a, this is such an important one. And, and that you're, you're right, Gerrard's had one eye on this this match. I don't care what Andy says. On Saturday, with his team, he said the same as you. I'm, I'm not going to say it with you and say they're, they're a pub team, but they're, they're one of the... They've got to be one of the weakest teams in the Scottish Premier League, you know, because they're, they're one of the very good. Uh, and he didn't really present it so much as a threat. Probably the biggest threat was when Carl took his eye off the ball and the guy get, the guy get in, in, the, in the second half. But I, don't, I, I agree with you, I don't think we were ever going to lose the game on Saturday. And I think Gerard knew that. And I think he's thinking, you know, one eye in Malmo, even though he would, he would disagree, he would, he would deny that. One eye in Malmo, and we can, we can definitely go and win. But I think it'll be, I think it'll be really hard. Because I think they're a, they're a good standard. You know, they're not a top standard team, but they're certainly not a, a lower standard team. They could have got a, maybe a, 
it'll be easier draw there, but no, I think they'll I think they're top of the Swedish League, aren't they? And they won it last year, so they'll they'll, they'll be tough. But I'd expect McGregor not to be back in tomorrow night and a few others. But I think Barisic is gonna miss out, isn't he? He's gonna he's gonna be injured, I think, what, is he? Oh, is he injured, is he? Uh well it was injured it was injured for Saturday, wasn't he? I hope not. And I hope he's back. I've not seen too much of that, actually, to be honest. I'm not 100% sure. I hope he's back. I hope Paris is just I back. I was wrong. just thinking he would. Yeah, I, 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 but I, I would I, agree Cal, with you, I think. Calvin Bassey's a good, Calvin Bassey's a good stand but he's not a Barisic. I mean, he's, no. he's a, he's a good defender, I, I, Big, big Bassey. I, I like him. I like his, his effort. And he's a, he's a, stand, a stand-in centre-half as well, but he's a left winger. And, no. Yeah, definitely. He's, he's definitely no Borna Barisic. Uh, so, yeah, I'm the same. I think it's a tough draw, as I say. But everything, uh, uh, these are going to be tough draws to get yourself into the Champions League. This is a step up from your your Europa League. Um, so, it's definitely a, a tough tie. I, I think Rangers will at least get a draw tomorrow night uh, and maybe fancy our chances back at Ibrox. Uh, I think that's... The kind of the best we could maybe hope for, but you never know what I say, Justin. We could turn up and go out there and absolutely turn them over. Do you know what I mean? You really don't know how we turn up. And sometimes in Europe, we just kind of change into a different beast altogether. So it'll be interesting to see. You see, I really am looking forward to it. I, I cannot wait for it. So in terms of the season coming up, Jeff, what's considered a, a success for you? Obviously, we expect to win the league. Well, Rangers fans, we always expect to win the league. But what else would you uh, term a, a successful season? I would love the Scottish Cup. I really would. I would, I would love the Scottish. I'd love the league first and foremost. To, God, you want everything, don't you? To, to do well in yeah. Europe, to get, into the, <laughs> to get into the group stages of the Champions League, uh, to progress even further if we can, depending on who we get. Uh, the Scottish Cup, the League Cup, the League, the Lo- Scottish Lowland League for the B team, the Scottish Women's League. <laughs> but not much more. I mean, we, we need something else. We, we need a bit of leeway to improve further for the following season but nah seriously if we can if we can if we can win the league again that's that's always the big one isn't it uh, and, and try and do do well in Europe and maybe grab a cup what about yourself Scott are you uh, thinking much the same a hundred percent yeah I think um, a double is a is a necessity really and I'd, I'd hate mm. I hate saying that because it sounds like I'm, I'm kind of being too kind of pressurised on it but I think we have to win our cup. The Scottish Cup is the main one. Uh, I would love for Rangers to win the Scottish Cup. And I've said before, there is, there's every chance we could win the treble. Um, there's every chance we couldn't win the treble. It's football. You never really know what, what's going to happen. But there's every chance we could win a treble. I've said it before. If Rangers get a treble this year and Gerard gets us into the, the group stages of the Champions League, he could literally walk away from the job because he's going to achieve all he can really achieve up here. Um, I never, ever want Steven Gerrard to leave. I say it on pretty much every single podcast I ever do. I'm in love with Steven Gerrard. I want him to stay forever. Uh, he saved our he saved us, put it that way. He saved that the false ten that they were they were claiming that they were going to win across the city. And um, yeah, I think I mean it could be. Obviously, again, I don't want to really speak about them. They've had a disastrous start to their season on Saturday night. Really not good for them at all. And yeah, I mean, I think the ball is firmly in our court. Obviously, there's a lot of front trenches are going to be fighting on coming up. We've got Europe, we've got the Cups, we've got the league. So I think the league is a priority no matter what. Um, if we don't win a cup, there will be people that grumble about not winning a cup. But um, if he gets into the Champions League group stages and wins a league, I'll be delighted. Uh, but I do think a double. Yeah, I would expect a double. To, to me, it's about, it's about numbers now because 
you know, the, hope, the big thing was for me was a league, and and you know we were all there, we were all there three years ago in the enclosure when when Gerard was announced when he was unveiled as a manager, and and you knew it was going to take time. Everybody knew it was going to take time. I think we should maybe you know we, we looked at times as if we were going to do it a wee bit quicker, but there was never any pressure on the guy. And he won the league for the last season, and mm. everybody's delighted. Everybody's delighted, but then you're getting the Celtic fans coming onto Twitter and saying. One, one trophy out of nine is no great, is it? And, and then when you look at it that way, you think, right, come on, Stevie, let's get the numbers up. Let's get the numbers up. Let's get adding to these trophies and get two and three and four and five. And say, hey, no, I'm, I'm just delighted with the way things are going at the moment. I, there's, yeah. there's absolutely no complaints at all. Because we've got a great, you've just said about the challenges that lie ahead, but we've got a great squad. We've got, we've got a good squad, a really good squad. We've got covered in virtually every position. I know guys going out and loan and stuff. We might still even bring another one or two in. Uh, no, we've got to be really happy with the way things are going. We didn't expect a massive overhaul of players this season. There's no need. So we're, we're definitely heading in the right direction. We are heading in the right direction then. Stevie Gerrard is at the helm and I'm right behind him paddling away trying to keep up with him. Uh, I, I, I can't wait for to get properly into this season and to see us in Europe tomorrow night. I think that the business Rangers have done over the summer with the free transfers for John Lundstrom, who's on a pretty wage, I get that. Sakala was a free, uh, Offerball was a free. Obviously, he's got a wee bit of a heart issue. We've not seen him, but we've still not seen Alfredo Morelos back yet. And uh, yeah, there's still more to come from this team. As I say, Saturday was just the start. I think it all proper kicks into gear tomorrow night when we get ourselves into Europe, uh, try and get ourselves into the Champions League. And I, I can't wait for it. This is a, and it's an exciting time to be a Rangers fan. And it's the first time we could be able to say that in a long, long time, mate. So yeah. That will do us, Jeff. Um, all I can do is thank you very, very much for being the first guest on a club interview here on Club at 28. Hopefully you enjoyed it, uh, and then hopefully we can have you on again sometime. So thank you very much. Brilliant, Scott. I really, really, I really appreciate it. Sorry about the, the messing about with the, the, my internet signal and the links and stuff, but we got there in the end, and it was a great chat, and now we'll look forward to tomorrow night's match against Malmo. Exactly, it's all, it's all, and the rest of the season. So this is all the world of podcasting, mate. This is what happens. People drop in and out and stuff. That things happen. It's just the way it goes. It's absolutely nothing to worry about at all, mate. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. All the details for the book, uh, just champion. There'll be in the bio for this show, and you can follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff H nineteen sixty. So thank you to everyone who listened. Please leave a comment. Give us your feedback on the pod if you enjoyed it. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, like the video, leave a wee five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, like and share anywhere that you can. It really does help support us. Thank you again to Jeff for coming on. We are Club at 22, the Champions Podcast, and I'll speak to you all next time. Cheers. Thanks very much, Scott.